Hello and welcome to episode 735 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Friday, September 6th. I'm your host, Paul Spore. I am flying solo once again. Schedules have been jumbled a little bit. Uh, Justin and I have been able to link up and Nick is on, I believe, a little bit of a mini vacation out in Colorado. I said, you know what? I got this. Let me go ahead and handle it. Now, those of you that were waiting for my Friday chat, that has been postponed due to rain. Um, it rained all over my keyboard. Uh, we couldn't close the roof. No, that's a stupid joke. But uh, yeah, I did have to postpone that because I did my Saturday starter article and now I'm doing this pod and timing. It's just not going to work out to also do the chat. But what I am discussing is a, is a little bit more, uh, or not a little bit, it's a lot bit 2019 focused. It's next week focused. So what we're going to do is we're going to run through the schedule, talk about the scheduled two starters and the... Um, righty-lefty splits of each team as far as what they're slated to face next week and maybe highlight some potential hitters that that could help one way or another. So let's just get right into it. And these are going to go in order of team name by city. So we'll start with Arizona. They have two two two-stars. They've got a full slate next week. They have Zach Gallen going at the Mets and against Cincinnati. Definitely starting him for both of those. Uh, He's pretty much an automatic start at this point in the season. Merrill Kelly gets the same starts. If I have to use both, I don't think I'm going to use him. He's been really a home road guy. If I can only use him at home against Cincy on the weekend, I'm open to doing that. And then as far as their slate goes, they are facing six righties and one lefty. Now, this is going to be uh, good news for several of their guys. The first guy who's going to be bad news for, Wilmer Flores. He only gets the one lefty. He crushes lefties. It does open up a, a potential big week for somebody like a Josh Rojas. Um, Gerard Dyson should be playing more regularly. If you need those steals, you can get him at the top of the lineup there. Maybe a Jake Lamb. Gets a little bit more of an opportunity. He hasn't been all that good. I think Rojas and Dyson are the two that I would really look at with this six righties, one lefty setup that I would be interested in. Let's move over to Atlanta. Mike Fultonevich and Max Fried are both getting a two-start week at Philly and at Washington. Now, that is a tough two-step there. And hmm, here's the thing. You know... I'm gonna. I'm understanding that it's hard to be super picky, so I'm not just gonna be saying no, 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 no to everything that's difficult. Freed, he's a yes. Uh, those are two difficult matchups, but he's been really good this year. Uh, 386-132 ERA WHIP combo this year. 159 strikeouts and 149 innings. He's pretty much a set it and forget it at this point. We we have the general rule: if you can't start him in a two-start week, you should cut him. And it's not a 100% rule, but it's about a 95%. There are a few exceptions. At Fulte, I don't think so, Tim. Um, 520 ADRA, 141 whip this year. Is he doing anything lately? I, I don't have him anywhere, so I'm unaware of what's going on. It's been a little bit better of late. He had an eight-run walloping at these very same Nats that he's going to run into this week. Uh, but since then, it's a 331 ERA in 32 and two-thirds with 31 strikeouts. Four of those have been on the road, including trips to Minnesota and a capable Mets team. He hosted the Dodgers. He wasn't terrible. Four and two-thirds, two runs, five strikeouts for Fulte. And then back-to-back starts against Toronto. If you need to, that's more of a desperate desperate situation or you know, you're know you chasing, you're really trying to... Uh, 
not protect ratios, then you can go for faulty. As far as their setup, they have a five righty, two lefty setup. Are they running many platoons? I'm pulling up their their lineup right now. I like how I ask a question as if you guys can just answer me. You know, Matt Joyce has been playing a good bit. And so the five and two for him, five righties, two lefties, that could set up well for him. Um, the McCann Flowers platoon at catcher leans toward McCann then. I think Joyce is probably the big winner out of this. Obviously with call-ups, there's so many more players. Things aren't going to be as clear-cut, so keep that in mind. We're just trying to play the percentages and what we think could happen. Here's here's one good thing. Um, if you're looking at somebody like a Matt Joyce and you play in something that has an FBC style where you can set the guys for Monday through Thursday and then Friday through Sunday... He gets three righties on the weekend, so maybe you don't use him for the four-pack at Philly, which includes Vargas and Smiley for Matt Joyce, and then you loop back around and put him in for Friday through Saturday to get the three righties, although that does include Scherzer, but it is also Joe Ross and Anibal Sanchez. I'm an Anibal guy, but he's not somebody that you're like, I can't start my Matt Joyce spot starter against. Let's move on to Baltimore. This one will be very quick. They just don't have that much interesting stuff going on there. But they do have John Means getting a two-start, and it's going to be against the Dodgers and at Detroit. I think if if you are in a situation where you are streaming and you're really going for, you know, kind of in the same thing as the Fulty, you take, you take the potential hit against the Dodgers to get the Detroit start. I mean, you can't get two more disparate starts. You know, sometimes uh, we're throwing out examples of, of what could be the most wide end, one great, one awful two start week. And we come up with scenarios like this, and it usually involves something that would have to have interleague into it. And this is actually one that came to fruition. You know, we say stuff like, okay, maybe if they go at Colorado and home to Detroit, that's the worst, you know, that that's the worst it can be on one end and the best it can be on the other. Well, this is about that. It's not quite at Colorado, but it's hosting the Dodgers and then a trip to Detroit for John Means. I say you go for it. The Dodgers are sneak tip not that great against lefties as well. I think this is one that people might run away from and maybe even put them on the wire for. You go get John Means. You take your chance here. If you survived uh, L.A., Hopefully he beasts up on Detroit. They have an even split, three righties, three lefties. Shouldn't really favor anybody. Let me see what the breakdown is uh, if the weekend. Nah, it's it's two lefties, one righty to start. That's the Dodgers, by the way. You wouldn't really want to spot anybody there. If, if, if you've got like Jonathan VR and stuff, you're playing him because you're always playing him, Trey Mancini, st- things like that. As far as the weekend, it's against Detroit, and it's two righties, one lefty. You could maybe spot in like... A Mark Trumbo, even though it's only one lefty, he could he could go off against Detroit. I don't think I would spot start Chris Davis. Uh, Renato Nunez only gets the one lefty. He kills lefties, but he's not awful against righties. He's somebody I might spot start on the weekend there against Detroit. But you shouldn't be messing too much with Baltimore, except for the John Means thing. I do like that. Let's go to Boston. They've got Erod. Now, they have a little bit of a different scenario here where uh, both two starters that they have don't get the same matchups because they have a makeup game on Monday. So Erod gets, Eduardo Rodriguez gets the Yankees and at Philly, whereas Ivaldi goes to Toronto and to Philly. So Erod, I don't think you really have a choice. You've been using him. You have to keep starting him. It's not a great setup, but it just is what it is. You know, I, I, I don't think you have the luxury to sit somebody like that who's been more good than bad this year. Ivaldi, I don't think so. I'm I'm checking him out right now real quick too just to see 
if he's turned it around a bit, like I was saying about uh, Fulty. Eh, over his last three starts, he hasn't been too bad, actually. Three ERA and 12 innings with 14 strikeouts. He walked four against Minnesota, but only allowed one hit. Okay, if you, I'm trying to come up with with like a chase meter here, right? You know how desperate you are. If you're chasing with like faulty and means, I think that's kind of normal. You know, normal streaming. I think you need to be at an extra level of chasing and desperation to to include Ivaldi, because the Baby Jays, yes, they got no hit. They can go cold. But they're one of those teams that can go guardrail to guardrail. They get shut out. Uh, you know, they, they they score like four runs in a in a three game set, and then you start some mediocre guy against them, and they burst up for eight. Like that's where Toronto's at right now because of those baby Jays. They can kind of go in and out, and the trip to Philly can be tough. Ivaldi, understand your level of desperation there, and uh, and and be wise about that because I, I wouldn't want to if I if I could avoid it. They have four righties, two lefties. For Boston, uh, does that create any sort of platoon scenario? Let me see if there's any lefties that are spotting in. Maybe like a Jackie Bradley Jr. Kind of let him take advantage of the platoon. Maybe a Mitch Moreland, Brock Holt scenario. As far as the breakdown, it goes... Um, they get... Well, so they have a weird schedule. They have Friday off. So they play Monday through Thursday, Friday off, and then two weekend games. So that's weird. I don't really understand that, but that is what it is. And then the weekend, so you you don't want, actually, okay, yeah. You would start like a Moreland, Brockhold, Bradley for the Monday through Thursday thing. Again, this is NFBC style where they allow you to go Monday through Thursday and then trade out for the weekend. You wouldn't want to start your mediocre Red Sox on the weekend because they're only playing two games, one of them of which is against Aaron Nola. So you don't really want to do that if you can avoid it. Obviously, I'm not saying bench any of your studs not bad stevers bogarts uh martinez even a benintendi no you know you're, you're playing those guys but but your uh your spot starters maybe so uh as far as uh both uh boston goes let's go to the cubs they've got a seven game slate with lester and quintana both getting at san diego and home to pit you're starting both pretty easily nothing to really concern yourself with there six righties one lefty that should create some some issues or, or some scenarios there where you can maybe leverage some guys maybe like a um well i don't know if ian Happ's better against righties or lefties this year it's been like nothing and i okay his last three starts don't give us a lot of insight it's against two righties and one lefty hmm yeah the the, the problem is there's not a lot of clarity on who this would necessarily help except maybe like a kyle schwarber some of you 10-teamers might have Kyle Schwarber where you're kind of bouncing him in and out. 10-teamer, three-outfielder, uh, but obviously five-outfielder. Schwarber's a set-it-and-forget-it type of guy. So maybe there isn't as much to take advantage with here despite the uh, the uneven setup for the Cubs. Let's move on to the Reds. They actually have a six-man. So they, despite having six games this week, uh, which would normally foster at least one two-start, they don't have that. Wood, Bauer, Gray, Molly, Castillo, Desclafani. Uh, they go to Seattle for three and two Arizonas. They're on, they're on a West Coast swing. They have a four righty, two lefty breakdown. That's not really going to create much, uh, I think, in terms of platoons either. So let's move on to Cleveland. Bieber's an automatic start. He gets at the Angels and home to Minnesota. They have a three righty, three lefty breakdown. I don't think that that creates any sort of real scenario that you could take advantage of with 
Cleveland, although I will say it is dead even the way they do it. So again, NFBC style, they have the three lefties on Monday through Wednesday and then Thursday off, and then the three righties on the weekend. So let's see if we can take advantage of that. Maybe Jake Bowers in your deeper leagues, you're you're giving him a shot. Um, that's and then and then uh, hang on, Jordan Jake Bowers would be the weekend. Jordan Luplo would be early week because it's the three lefties first. That's for Luplo. Then for the weekend, Jake Bowers. So maybe you can play it that way. But neither is super relevant fantasy-wise anyway. So that's for you super deep leaguers. Let's go over to Colorado. Now, they're home all weekend. Or all week, excuse me. Um, It's three against St. Louis, three against San Diego. Doesn't matter who their two-start is. I'll tell you, it's Chichi Gonzalez. Who the hell cares, even if it was on the road? They have five righties, one lefty. You're starting everybody that you can for the Colorado Rockies. Tapia could benefit nicely from that because he gets the five righties. Let me see if there's any lefties that might, uh, excuse me, any righties that might take the brunt there. Well, they shouldn't play Desmond as much. Uh, Sam Hilliard and Tapia should get the benefit there. And Garrett Hampson, while I do like him, uh, should also take that hit there for those. Those two should play in lieu of Hampson and, and Desmond. Tapia and Hilliard should be the ones to play. McMahon gets a nice setup, but but Tapia and Hilliard are really where you could maybe get an advantage there with the uh, with the six righties, one lefty scenario. White Sox have a two-step for Ivan Nova gets KC and at Seattle. Listen, it's been wild that he's even been this good. It's been crazy. It's been against some really good teams. There's no real skill changes. There's no real pitch mix changes. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but it has been good. Uh, he got walloped his last two times out, though, at Atlanta and at Cleveland. However, those were avoidable, of course, because no one was really trusting this anyway, so you wouldn't really want to put him on the road against these two tough teams. This week, it's Eovaldi level desperation, right? So if, if, if I've set that meter there and you kind of understand where you're at uh, on the desperation scale for Eovaldi, then, then Nova could be there, too. So your desperation scale in this case has to not include K's at all. Like you're not trying to score in K's because that's just not what Nova's going to do even in a two-step. But KC and at Seattle doesn't get much better. And so for somebody who has been capable, even with the two bad starts in a row here, his last nine are a 240 ERA for Ivan Nova. That tells you how good he was in the first seven because he's given up 10 earned in eight and a third over his last two. Let me grab a drink here. But he has 26 strikeouts in those 56 and a third innings. So that also tells you where we're at. So I don't want to belabor it. Nova should be a super desperate throw if you need him. Uh, the matchups aren't too bad, though. Maybe maybe a head-to-head points league. I could see that, too. Uh, four righties, two lefties for the White Sox. Let me see if they're running anything platoon-wise that you could advantage there. Any lefties that might uh, might get a little bit of a boost. I don't know. Is Ryan Goings still doing some things? I know earlier he was tapping into some pop. Uh, doesn't really look like it, so nah. Matt Skoll, nah. Nah, play your normal White Sox here and, and move on. Let's go to Detroit. Edwin Jackson gets the Yankees and Baltimore. I've always loved Edwin Jackson, but no. 
Uh, just, just no here. Can't do it. You know, one thing I want to bring up for my head-to-head folks, and I've brought this this strategy thing up a little bit uh, at times this year about how if you're in a head-to-head points, uh, head-to-head league that has starts limits, you gotta love the followers who can be useful. And Drew Verhagen uh, qualifies there. I, I actually just used him this week. You get those extra. You almost get a start level of points. Um, you know, or, or it can work for categories too, but you almost get that start level of innings and, and volume there without it counting on one of your starts. He's had two good follows in a row against Cleveland and at KC. He'll get another one this week against Baltimore, so you want to have Drew Verhagen for that. Their breakdown is three and three. You're you're not wanting to play any Detroit Tigers anyway, so no. Houston. Miley and uh, Grinky and Miley get Oakland and at KC. You're starting both of them all the time anyway. Framber Valdez gets an Oakland one. Uh, I just mentioned him as a quick spot starter. I'm not doing that for every team, so I shouldn't have set that precedent there. But I just noticed him. I was like, hey, you pick him up. Oakland's good, but Valdez is not a bad pickup. Their breakdown is four and three, four righties, three lefties for Houston. But I don't know that they're running anything platoon-wise that you could really take advantage of there. I think Kyle Tucker's finally on the roster, and maybe he'll get some playing time there. But he and Reddick are both lefties, so I don't even know that that works. Just start your normal Astros and move on. Going out to KC, Jake Junis gets at the White Sox and home to Houston. If it's one, if it's a thing where you're locked in for both, I have a hard time with it. This, this again, is almost as disparate as that uh, John Means situation. But unlike um, unlike with L.A. being sneak tip, not so great against lefties, which makes that John Means one a little bit more appealing. Houston's damn good against righties, so that doesn't that doesn't do much for the appeal of of Jake Junis. And I think I'd pass on the potential White Sox outing if I have to take that uh, if I have to take that Houston outing. If you can spot just the White Sox outing on Tuesday, do that for Jake Junis. But that's it. As for the breakdown, five righties, one lefty. Let me actually pull up their roster. They might have some interesting uh, guys that you could that you could funnel in there potentially and maybe get a few things going, particularly against the White Sox. Ryan O'Hearn, I've, I, I was a big fan of his. He did not pan out to the level that I had hoped for this year. I was, I was projecting a breakout for him. But he only gets one lefty, and it is on Sunday. And by the way, this actually works out really nicely because, yes, Giolito is, is part of the White Sox series, but they get Nova Lopez Giolito. You know, two of the three there are not that scary. You guys know I love Lopez, but he burns me like crazy. And of course, I took him out of my lineups and he beasted after getting absolutely shellacked the other day. It's awesome. It's so cool. So fun. So neat. Love him. Uh, but you can get the five righties with Ryan O'Hearn. I will say, though, when three in a row are going to be Giolito, Cole, and Granky. It's probably not worth it. So I'm just going to move on instead of really diving in on KC's slate there. Let's move over to L.A., the Angels. Uh, Patrick Sandoval gets Cleveland and Tampa Bay. That's a difficult two-step. He's been kind of interesting. He's done he's done some things. Let me see what, uh, what his actual full season numbers are here real quick. Pardon me. I know I've talked about him on the streaming spot starters recently. Oh, he only lasted three and a third against uh, Oakland. He only gave up one hit, one walk, had three strikeouts, one run, but took the L. Um, I don't know why they took him out so... Did he have... I mean, 52 pitches. Did he get hurt? Let me check that. 
Let me go ahead and check that, because I don't know. I don't hate this spot start here for Sandoval, despite a decently difficult slate. But if he's hurt, that's one thing. No? He was lifted from the contest. They're monitoring his workload. Okay. Yeah, never mind then. I mean, if they're if they're really managing his workload for Sandoval with Cleveland and Tampa Bay on the slate, both capable squads, I don't know that you really want to risk it. They have a 5-1. Uh, hang on. Four and two breakdown. Four righties, two lefties. It is one of those things where you get the three righties in the early part of the week, Monday through Thursday. Thursday's an off day, by the way. And then uh, right, left, left against Tampa Bay on the weekend. So you could plan it out that way. I don't think that they really have any spot starters, though. I think you're really just using the angels that you're using all the time. You know, Trout, Otani, um, anybody else? Upton? Calhoun uh, that's it yeah I don't, I don't see anything here that you could really take advantage of as far as the slate goes uh, they're not really working many platoons anyway so yeah let's move on to the other LA team it'll be quick Bueller's an automatic start doesn't matter who he's going against but just for the sake of knowledge it's at Baltimore and at the Mets and then of course your Dodgers now they will do stuff with with platoons here so let's see what their setup is they've got five righties one lefty let's see who that might disadvantage jerko enrique hernandez chris taylor david freeze they're going to get the short end there for sure uh your matt Beatty, gavin lux jock peterson shares are are getting some favorability there the one lefty is john means that we talked about earlier on tuesday so if you're in a daily matchups you have those guys benched for Monday because they're off and Tuesday against Means, and then you get five righties in a row. So that's pretty good as far as your Dodgers go. Let's move over to Miami. Robert Duggar and Eliezer Hernandez get Milwaukee and at San Francisco. That isn't an awful slate, but I don't know that I really want to start either. But between the two, I think Duggar would be the more interesting one. I've had some interest in Eliezer Hernandez at times this year, but he just doesn't have it right now. He's just not somebody I can trust. Duggar is probably in that Eovaldi range where if I'm really chasing some things, maybe a cut above, maybe he's in between the faulty and Eovaldi range on the desperation meter because his matchups are better, pardon me, are better than um, Evaldi's. Milwaukee's difficult, but he gets them at home and then a trip to San Francisco. So I like that for Robert Duggar. So yeah, I'll put him a cut above Ivaldi and then just below Fulte as far as where we're where we're going. I'm not ranking all of these two steps. I apologize. I just didn't really have the time to do that. That would have been nice. I'm kind of mentally ranking that, you know, kind of audibly ranking them here for you. Hopefully it's giving you a good idea of what to do. And of course you can hit me up on Twitter at Spore if you have a choice between two or three of them. And, uh, and I'll give you my thoughts there. As far as Eliezer Hernandez goes, I, I think it's a no-go. And as far as their hitting, they have five righties, two lefties. But there's only a couple Marlins that you're starting. And you're just starting them anyway. It's like a Garrett Cooper, maybe like a John Birdie. Wait, didn't Birdie? No, I, wait, is he not starting? He's not listed as a starter on roster resource, but he certainly should be. But yeah, those are the two that you're really starting um, and neither is Cooper. That's bizarre. They should both be starting. If they're not starting Garrett Cooper and John Bernie, like what the hell are they doing? Those are like the only two guys that have a pulse uh, on their team offensively. And yes, they're both righties, and they get five righties, one lefty. I don't care if I'm if I'm using them. I'm you know if I'm using them at this point, 
I'm using him in, the, in this scenario. Anyway, Birdie's got some decent speed, and Cooper's been a decent bat, and, and that's why I'm using him. That's deep league only. Let's move on to Milwaukee. Uh, both Ly- both Jordan Lyles and Chase Anderson are on the road for at Miami and at St. Louis. This is one where I would take on the at St. Louis uh, weekend start to get the at Miami. Uh, Lyles has been pitching brilliantly of late anyway, and uh, Chase Anderson is okay enough. Uh, let me see. Let me see if I'm full of shit on that. I'm actually not uh, fully abreast of what he's been doing why uh, pitching-wise lately. Let me see. Chase Anderson... Okay, he had a 10-run devastation against uh, at Washington a couple weeks back on August 18th. Then went five shutout against Arizona. Then gave up five in four at the Cubs. Then faced them again and gave up two in four innings. So he's been up and down. He'd been brilliant for a run before that. See, I hate that. God, that drives me nuts about streaming. Is 10-start run for Chase Anderson where he had a 289 ERA in 53 innings. He hadn't allowed more than three earned in any of those. He's pitching really well. And then 10 earned in two and a third at Washington. Yes, Washington's difficult. I get that. And if you're streaming, you probably shouldn't have started him anyway. But those of you in like NL only or super deep mixers, you were using him. You, you thought there was some trustworthiness. And he just, he does, he undoes all that good work. So let's say, okay, let, let's, let's do like an exercise here. Let's say you jumped in three starts in. You missed the first three starts, but you're like, oh, Chase Anderson's been pitching well. So you got the last seven. You got a 284 ERA, but then you also had to take the Washington start. He moved it from that 284 to 491. Just like that, added more than two runs to it and and just totally crapped all over the good work he'd done. Anyway, um, I would say he's he's uh, around the Duggar Evaldi area, Chase Anderson. His Lyles is... is Close to an automatic spot start here right now. He's really refound his his groove with Milwaukee again. By the way, he kind of broke out with them in a small stint out of the bullpen last year, which gave me some intrigue for him with Pittsburgh this year. He couldn't find the consistency. They move him. He goes back to Milwaukee. He's got a 256 ERA and 38 and two-thirds. That's Jordan Lyles. I'm going to go ahead and use him for sure. Chase Anderson's more of a maybe. Uh, their breakdown as far as Milwaukee is... Six righties, one lefty. Are there any, uh, let me see, right-handers that are getting platooned that you might be like, eh, I can't really start him here. I don't think so off the top of my head. Let me see. Mm, no, not really. I mean, Ernan Perez, if you have him in like NL only, with if you're desperate enough to have him in NL only anyway, then you pretty much got to take your shot and hope for a few at-bats. So, no, nothing really changes there. Let's go to Minnesota. Jose Barrios is an automatic start, but he gets Washington and at Cleveland. That's a difficult two-step. Can't really do much about it. I know he hasn't been pitching all that well of late. I don't think you can sit him, though. I just don't. I know it's easy to say from the sidelines when you don't have him on a team, sit him because he's been rough of late. I think that's disingenuous uh, when when people do that. I'm not calling anybody out because I haven't... The, the, this is more of a straw man, I guess, because I haven't really seen anybody do it. I've seen with Barrios specifically, so, but I have seen this kind of stuff with guys that we trust as upper crust guys. They go on a bad slump late, and then people do start to suggest that that maybe fantasy owners should sit them. And it's like that's easy for you to say, man. Like, am I going to put Eliezer freaking Hernandez in for Jose Barrios? No, you got to ride it out. Yeah, he has a seven forty ERA in his last twenty and two thirds. But he does still have 25 strikeouts, and 
I, I got to take my shot here with, with Barrios. It sucks that he's been so rough, but I'm not going to sit him on my bench uh, in a two-step, even against Washington and at Cleveland. You just got to hope that he doesn't decimate you. Minnesota gets, uh, let's see here, five righties, one lefty. And their lineup has... Doo, 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 doo. Sorry, guys, I'm kind of bouncing between a lot of different things here with an Excel file where I did take some notes and then the roster resource to kind of look at their hitters. So they have five righties, one lefty for Minnesota. That bodes well for your Luis Arise, your Jake Caves, um, those guys of the world. Even though Mitch Garver's the righty, he should still start more than Castro despite this five right, one left. So I I wouldn't bench Garver or anything like that. It could be a little bit... uh, of a bummer for Jonathan Scope, if you're if you're looking to get anything out of him because there is only one lefty. Um, so yeah, well let me see who would play instead. Yeah, that'd be Luis Arise. So I think Arise gets the more benefit. And if you're chasing batting average, some of you in shallower leagues, Arise is going to be available because he's kind of an empty batting average. But if that's what you're chasing right now, maybe go get him for this five righty one lefty week and and slot him in the lineup. Let's go out to New York for the uh, Mets first. They're going to have Jacob DeGrom and Zach Wheeler against Arizona and the Dodgers both at home. They're both automatic. Obviously, DeGrom's a super ace. Wheeler's one of those automatic starts that even when he's not doing his best, it's really difficult to sit him, particularly in a two-step. He's maybe a cut below Barrios. Not even. I I think they're kind of comparable. I mean, they were coming into the season for sure, and, and Wheeler's been worse this year, but not markedly so, and he's been actually pitching well of late. So, yeah, they're both automatic starts. Um, four righties, three lefties. Let's see, what do they do? Anything different here? Nah, that doesn't really change much for their for their setup, because the one thing, you know, like, Cano just came back, and uh, he should be starting at second base over Panic. They're both lefties. Nothing really changes there. J.D. Davis is a righty, who you know kind of cut his teeth on on beasting on lefties, but he's been so good against righties this year that even the four and three split shouldn't hurt him at all. Uh, let's go out to the other New York, the Yankees. Paxton gets at Boston at Toronto again. You can't bench him. Uh, it's a difficult two step. You just got to roll with it. They have four and three as well. Four righties, three lefties. That's gonna maybe. Uh, maybe keep Clint Frazier and Cameron Maybin. Let me see the breakdown. Hang on, that, that'd be more in, informative here. So if you are in the NFBC setup, it's two and two, Monday through Thursday, two righties, two lefties, and then two righties, one lefty on the weekend, and it's Toronto, and they're much easier. So your Mike Ford situation, um, Gardner... That's it, really. Would be better on the weekend. Maybe you spot start Maben um, in the two and two on the Monday through Thursday setup. But that's getting pretty technical there. I will point out that Loisiga does get a double follower setup at Detroit at Toronto. Um, I mentioned the Eduardo Rodriguez thing earlier. Paxton's pitching in that Boston. That's why his. That's why Loisiga's follow setup is different than Paxton's two start. I like that, again, for the same reason I mentioned, like a Drew Verhagen and any of those followers who are available. 
in head-to-head points leagues and other leagues too. It's not just that, but that's that's the best setup where you're getting four, maybe even five innings sometimes, and it doesn't count as a start. So Loisiga at Detroit at Toronto could be pretty interesting. Let me see if he's if he's gone a little bit longer in any of his recent outings. I know he'd originally come up and, and was going like one to two innings, so he wasn't really doing – he was almost more of an opener, to be honest. Chad Green's going to start those games, by the way. His last outing was two, so here's what he's done. Uh, it's been two and two-thirds, two and two-thirds, one and two. Uh, those are the innings counts since August 15th uh, return for Jonathan Loisiga. I would actually f- favor Verhagen a little bit more. in this. Well, no, because Loisiga gets two, Verhagen gets one. And again, these for those that might have missed it earlier when I was talking about Verhagen, this is head-to-head where you have a starts limit. These don't count as starts. This is just free points. It's been free points in my league, and so I'd actually go for Loisiga first and then Verhagen. I might have to make that move in my league. Let's move out to Oakland. Mike Fires has the Texas two-step. Yikes. At Houston, at Texas. This one is tough because he's been really good this year. Fires, for, you know, Compared to expectations, I think everyone thought he would turn back into a pumpkin after last year's quality season and think that he would be crappy, to be honest. But he's been a 351-117 ERA whip combo uh, in 169 innings this year for Fires. He's been great. And so that's a really difficult two-step. I'm going to use him. I'm going to use him. And uh, Texas has not been as good, so they're not as scary. It is in Texas. But their lineup has just not been as 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 treacherous. You got to go with fires. You know what's the fr- the old the old cliche dance with the one who brung you or whatever. Um, yeah, I'm sticking with fires here. Go for it. Four four righties, three lefties. Let's see what Oakland has set up here. Oh, first off, let's see the breakdown for those of you for NFBC. It's two and two on Monday through Thursday, and then two righties, one lefty on the weekend. So that that's the breakdown there. That would favor with the with the extra one against a lefty, maybe like a Seth Brown who's just come up. He's a left-hander. Um, yeah, I don't really see anything that you could play because it's not it's it's about it's about an even split. Plus, one of the series is against Houston anyway, uh, which is difficult matchups all the way through. Well, except maybe Framber Valdez a little bit. I did recommend him uh, as a potential spot starter, but it's not like he's difficult. Um, but it's Granky, Miley, Valdez, Verlander, and then Miner, which is the best uh, Texas starter, and Lynn. Shit. Yeah, so, okay. <laughs> Just start the A's that you normally start. There's nothing to play here with any anything streaming-wise. Let's go out to Philly. Nola and Vargas both get Atlanta and Boston, both at home in a six-game week. And um, let's see. They have three and three. Three righties, three lefties. Nothing to really play there. Let's go out to Pittsburgh. Oh, by the way, sorry. Automatically starting Nola. Vargas, I think he's come back to earth. I think he's uh, he's been Vargas. For those of you that know the Vargas rule that uh, Nick talks about, it, was, it dates back to when Vargas was awesome for like 12 starts to open the year with KC a few years back. And it's like, well, we got to keep using him until... Until we see multiple reasons why. When, basically what that means is when you're using somebody who is unexpectedly performing well, you give them more than just the one start before you jump off the train, but you, you really keep a close eye. I will say 
he kind of peeled back the Vargas rule with back-to-back duds to close out August, but then jumped on another good start at Cincinnati with five and two-thirds, or excuse me, five and a third of two runs, six strikeouts. Vargas is in the Eovaldi class, where if you're really chasing, you could do it. But Atlanta, Boston, that's freaking tough. So I'm going to put Eovaldi ahead of him and uh, ahead of Vargas. And, and I'm not wanting to do that. But if you're thin on the wire, you might you might have to take that shot. That's a tough one, though. Let's go to Pittsburgh. They have at San Francisco and at the Cubs for Trevor Williams and Dario Agrizal. And, uh, well, Trevor Williams, by the way, was like peak Vargas rule. And it lasted a long, 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 long time until the wheels finally came off this year. And, it, you know, it was one of those things where I was like, well, he did it so long last year that people started trusting him. I even started ranking him as like a, a usable start. And he's been a nightmare this year. Agrizal hasn't been very good. Neither of their skills are particularly good. Even with the trip to San Francisco, I'd rather pass on, on both of these here with uh, Trevor Williams and Dario Agrizal. I don't even think that Williams, uh, he's been the better of the two. I don't even think that he's in the Eovaldi tier. I think he's below that. That would, So super desperate NL only maybe would be the only thing that I could think of. So that's a pretty, pretty niche setup there. They're four and three, four righties, three lefties. Um, let's see here. The two of the three lefties are on the weekend. But it's a it's Lester and Quintana for Pittsburgh Pirates, and so I don't even think that there's any real real play there. Just just start the Pirates that you normally start and 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 move on. Let's go to San Diego. Cal Quantrill pulled the rug out from some folks. Uh, we were really starting to trust him, and yikes, he dropped a bomb. And, but he does get a two step against the Cubs and at Cal- nope pass 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 pass. Uh, let's see what their hitting setup is. They get four righties, three lefties. Three of the all three of the lefties are in the first set of the week, though, in that Monday through Thursday. But it's the three Cubs lefties, so it's Lester, Quintana, and Hamels. So I don't even know that it's all that playable for like. Well, listen, this Ty France guy was dominant in the minors, so. Let me see if he's done anything in the majors against lefties. Because he really hasn't brought that ma- minor league flair to the majors. Nah, and he doesn't have a platoon split either. No, nope, I don't really see anything here. Again, start your normal Padres, but nothing to play platoon-wise. Let's go to Seattle. They've got Justice Sheffield going in a six-game week against Cincinnati and the White Sox, both at home. So that's not too bad. Um, let me see what they've got going or let me see what he's been doing lately justice sheffield he's a prospect i definitely liked coming up you remember remember he came over in the cano deal he was kind of the big guy well Kalan, uh jared clinic is probably the biggest piece but uh sheffield was the one that could be expected to contribute this year he returned to the rotation on august 23rd mediocre against toronto three runs in four innings blah then five runs and four and a third against the Yankees, which you wouldn't have started him anyway. Five strikeouts with zero walks. That's not bad. But then a nice little gem here at Wrigley. Five shutout innings with seven punchies against the Cubs. You like that for Chef. So he, he's a lefty who gets Cincy and the White Sox. Let me see where Cincy is against lefties since the break. Hang on. I actually got some food delivered and it's here early. So I'm going to go get it. Hang on. 
Oh, fake out. That was actually UPS. So the food could still come. All I did was pause. So it's not like I put a big, long... Uh, <laughs> I didn't just put a big, long silence in the middle of the pot. I'm not... You know, we keep it free and easy here on the solos, but I'm not going to do that. That's just stupid. So what I wanted to look at was uh, Cincinnati since the All-Star break against lefties. They're mid-pack. They're 14th in, w in WOBA, weighted on base average, which... Uh, does what it says it weights on base average so not every event is the same where uh, as it is with obp and so it gives you a more it's on the same scale so you have an idea of like a 331 is, is pretty decent and then like uh, the yankees for example are number one at 401 we know a 400 obp in real life is really good um and so 401 woba excellent let's see here so sheffield is more of the faulty tier where I'm kind of in on this more that more so than like an Evaldi, even though Chef hasn't shown that much, I don't think this is too terrible of a setup. Let me see where the White Sox are. They're, they're low as I expected. They're at 22 with a 318 mark. And I do look. Listen, I know the full season can be valuable too, but the team makeup. I, I, I y y there's no set way to look at it. Season long, last 14, last 30 since the break. They're all pretty arbitrary because they're, they're, there's so much volatility in them that I don't know that one is inherently better than another. Um, I, I don't love using the full season, though. It hasn't. I feel like it doesn't serve me as well when I'm streaming starters, and so I do like to get a more uh, confined look. In fact, let me. I'll do the last month, which would be since 8-6, since uh since we are doing we are doing this on the sixth and in that range they're both kind of mid-pack since he and the white Sox. they're 12 and 13 respectively they have the same mark at 346 again i think it's i think it's faulty level tier here for sheffield if you're if you're chasing this is it's they're both at home this is something that you could kind of do. Let me see what the breakdown is for their hitting. Five righties, one lefty. Let's see if there's any righties that are going to get hurt by that for Seattle. Uh, maybe your Tom Murphy shares are, are going to take a hit. because Well, Omar Narvaez was hurt. Is he back? Keep an eye on that. Uh, let me look up Omar Narvaez's injury. I didn't know he was hurt. Because obviously if he's hurt, then Murphy's going to start regardless. Oh, it's a back spasm situation where they're not putting Narvaez on the IL. Okay, well then your Tom Murphy shares could actually be salvaged. So keep keep that in mind. Um, anybody else? Nah, not really. Your, your lefties are helped. Your Jake Fraley's, your Daniel Vogelbach's, um, if you're spotting them. So that's fine. Let's move over to San Francisco. San, Seattle got more time than they probably deserved. Bumgarner gets uh, Bumgarner and Logan Webb get Pittsburgh and Miami. Excuse me, <clears throat> both at home. Bumgarner's an automatic. Logan Webb is very high on this list of streamable two starters who are likely to be available. I would definitely want to go scoop him for double home starts against two teams that aren't that great. Now he has fallen a little bit on hard times. I know he was kind of a flavor du jour for a while there. Um, St. St. Louis absolutely pummeled him for eight runs, seven of them earned and two and two thirds just yesterday. In fact, 
Um, so that's rough. That's probably going to put him on a lot more waiver wires. I'll go there and pick up the pieces. It's an awful start. There's no two ways around it. But he'd been pretty solid in three starts before that. And these are two bad matchups. So give me Logan Webb off the wire against these two teams here. As far as their hitting, they get six righties, one lefty. Let's see what San Francisco has there where this could potentially help. And it could help your Alex Dickerson. Dickerson, well, he's also nicked. Hang on, he's been out the last two games. Could be a Narvaez situation. Keep keep tabs on that. Your Yastrzemski. Yastrzemski is starting against anybody, though, I think. Actually, no. He's been platooned, so this will help Yastrzemski, only having one lefty on the slate. It doesn't really hurt anybody that you're using. I mean, you know, Austin Slater and Donovan Solano, and they're on the bench. Uh, it could hurt Jalen Davis, who's an interesting prospect. I mentioned him during the call-ups pod that I did. He might not get as many starts because there's only one lefty on the on the docket. But um, he has started against two righties the last two days. Anyway, that's because of Dickerson's injury. So hang on. Let me look more on this Dickerson injury. And I'll take a drink while I do it. All right. Tight, tight oblique situation for Dickerson, which is the injury that had him on the IL. Keep... Keep a close eye on this for the weekend because then Jalen Davis could become a viable starter even with a righty-heavy slate. And uh, for those of you that didn't listen to that pod or don't remember, I really liked Jalen Davis as a potential call because he's been monstrous in the minors. He was was the uh, piece that they got for Sam Dyson in, in that trade there. And let me just tell you what he's been doing in AAA this year and AA. 35 homers. 10 steals, 306, 397, 590. So, you know, it's all in San Francisco. It's a difficult park, but he might be able to go off and, and do some damage for you. Jalen Davis could. So keep an eye on the Dickerson situation. Your your Yastrzemski shares should be well served this week with only the one lefty, and it's Stephen Brault who's not, you know, scary or anything like that. So there you go with uh, San Francisco. Let's move over to St. Louis. They've got... Well, they're going to be in Colorado for, yeah, Dakota Hudson at Colorado, home to Milwaukee, pass. And their breakdown is six righties. They're the only team that does not have a lefty on the slate. So, any righties who would get hurt by that? Um, not, well, maybe Jose Martinez, Tyler O'Neill. I think they're both on the roster right now. That could hurt both of them. Um... Harrison Bader's been playing a lot even against righties, so I don't think it's necessarily going to hurt him. He's actually been been electric of late too, so that 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 helps. So yeah, Martinez and O'Neill. Oh God, it's so hard to sit guys going to Colorado though too, huh? That's tough. I I, I don't have a great answer for that. I mean, the thing of it is is Martinez and O'Neill, they have to play for Bader or Fowler, two of the hottest hitting Cardinals of late. Because they're not taking Ozuna out of the lineup, duh. So, that's a bummer. You might not get much out of those guys going into Colorado. But anyway, that's where St. Louis is. Otherwise, start all of your other cards and and enjoy because uh, Milwaukee, their pitching hasn't been great outside of Lyles much lately. And so, 
they do get Lyles, but they, they could beat up on some Milwaukee pitching. Let's go to Tampa Bay and talk about what they've got going. They've got Ryan Yarbrough at Texas, at, at Anaheim, or at the Angels, whatever. Um, that's, that's, that's a yes. We're just starting him pretty much anywhere. Let's see. Their breakdown is two righties, four lefties. I think that might be the most lefties of the week. And that is interesting because they have like 50 platoons. Sure, they only have nine lineup spots, but they still run 50 platoons. I mean, their their lineup on a normal day is one, two, three, four, five lefties. Meadows is a lock, but then Sogard, G-Man Choi, Kiermaier, I think starts most. Well, I don't know. I don't know. And then Joey Wendell. Um, so with four lefties on the slate, this could be good news for your spot starts of Jesus Aguilar, Matt Duffy, maybe AL only folks scratching for any plate appearance they can get, like a Daniel Robertson, something like that, he says with a shrug, throwing his hands up. So, I don't know. Um, yeah, that, I don't know why I'm lingering on that. That's That's the info. Aguilar, Duffy, I think Aguilar for sure is a good spot start. Duffy, maybe Robertson, super deep. Uh, otherwise, everything else is is full go. With oh, as far as if I would sit any of the lefties, I'd probably sit Sogard and Choi. I think you could probably still play Kiermaier. Uh Sit Wendell too is what I would likely do with the four lefty slate. Let's go out to Texas. We have three teams left here. Texas has a two-step for Lance Lynn. He gets Tampa Bay and Oakland. You're starting him all the time anyway. Doesn't really matter. Their breakdown is four righties, two lefties. Let's see if that does anything here. Uh, Nick Solak has actually been playing a good bit. I don't know that that, even though he's a righty, I don't know that four righties on the slate is necessarily going to hurt him. But, he is, you know, scratching for playing time. And so I think you start him in most of the formats where you already are because I don't know that that it's going to go one way or the other definitively. So sorry I'm not super helpful on that, but that's just that's just where we're at. As far as uh, any righties who would lose time, maybe like a Forsyth. He, he's been a pretty strict platoon. In fact, Solak, even though, again, they're both righties, I could see Solak maybe taking some of Forsyth's time. So if you're in a league where you're playing him, I hope it's NL or excuse me, AL only for Forsyth. You might look to uh, not play him this week if you can help it because he only gets the two lefties. And uh, if you are in the scenario where you can play the half weeks, it's split too. The one lefty is Tuesday against Yarbrough. And then the second is Saturday, Sean Manaya. Let's go to Toronto and then wrap up with Washington. Toronto doesn't have anything in the starting rotation that you want to use at all. Um, they do have a double a follower who's going to be getting the two the the two follow I guess it's Tony Zeich Zeich Zick Zork Zilp um, TJ not Tony I'm a dumbass there was a Tony Z something I think Tony Zike Zick Z Y C H okay so I wasn't totally out of bounds there but uh, this is TJ Zich. Z-E-U-C-H. Zoik is what they're putting here on baseball reference. Okay, hang on. How was the other guy? So, the other guy was Zick. Zick and Zoik. Okay. 
if they don't call this guy Shaggy, Zoinks! If they don't call him Shaggy on Toronto, TJ Zoik, TJ Zoinks, then they're failing. Plain and simple. Okay? They're failing. Anyway, could he be our little head to head guy here? He did go four innings in his last follow, gave up two. Uh, but struck out four. Yeah, he could be kind of interesting in that Verhagen, uh, Verhagen, Jonathan Loisiga situation. In fact, Loisiga might be third of this group because he just hasn't been going more than two, whereas uh, Verhagen and Zoik have. So I like those two. As far as their breakdown, it's three and three. Nothing to really do there. Just start your normal Jays. Let's go out to Washington. Anibal Sanchez at Minnesota, home to Atlanta. I mentioned earlier I do like Anibal, generally speaking, but this is a tough slate. I it, it, it's faulty level, it's faulty level scenario where you know if you're really chasing, you just gotta kind of bite the bullet. But damn, do I not want to do this? Because the problem is when when Anibal has been bad, it's been really bad, including his most recent outing, seven earned against the Mets, and then before that it was two and one but then five against Milwaukee. So it's always like, good, 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 bomb. Good, 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 bomb. And then Minnesota and uh, and Atlanta can put bombs on you. So I don't want to use this if I can avoid it. It's four righties, two lefties for them. That hurts Zimmerman and Dozier a little bit with uh, Asdrubal Cabrera and Matt Adams being the beneficiaries. And I think that'll do it. And I think I timed it perfectly because I think my food is actually about to get here. So uh, hopefully this helped. And um, somebody had asked on Twitter if we could do more uh, 2019 viable stuff. And I was like, well, sure, but what would you like to hear? I actually don't think he responded. Please respond if you you have ideas. I'm not trying to call that. I I guess I am calling them. I'm not trying to do that. I was just saying I came up with an idea, though, that I I think is helpful here, kind of doing a weekly planner. So hopefully this helps y'all. Good luck. I know you're chasing down some titles. Those of you in head-to-head leagues, good luck uh, winning each week. And then uh, those of you in the Roto Leagues, keep chiseling away or keep staving off the competition. Thanks for listening. Back Monday or Tuesday. I don't know for sure. Monday or Tuesday for sure, though. Goodbye.